Chapter Seven of the Empire of Russia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Empire of Russia from the remotest periods to the present time by john stevens cabot abbott chapter seven the sway of the tartar princess from twelve thirty eight to thirteen o four retreat of george's the second desolating march of the tartars capture of vladimir fall of moscow utter defeat of george's conflict at torjek march of the tartars towards the south subjugation of the polovtsi capture of cave humiliation of yaroslav overthrow of the russian kingdom haughtiness of the tartars reign of alexander succession of yaroslav the reign of vasuli state of christianity infamy of andre struggles with dmitri independence of the principalities death of andre the king georges fled from moscow before it was invested by the enemy leaving its defence to two of his sons retiring in a panic to the remote northern province of yaroslav he encamped with a small force upon one of the tributaries of the mologa and sent earnest entreaties to numerous princes to hasten with all the forces they could raise and join his army the tartars from moscow marched northwest some one hundred and fifty miles to the imperial city of vladimir they appeared before its walls on the second of february on the evening of the sixth the battering rams and ladders were prepared and it was evident that the storming of the city was soon to begin the citizens conscious that nothing awaited them but death or endless slavery with one accord resolved to sell their lives as dearly as possible accompanied by their wives and their children they assembled in the churches partook of the sacrament of the lord's supper implored heaven's blessings upon them and then husbands brothers fathers took affecting leave of their families and repaired to the walls for the deadly strife early on the morning of the seventh the assault commenced the impetuosity of the onset was irresistible in a few moments the walls were scaled the streets flooded with the foe the pavement covered with the dead and the city on fire in a hundred places the conquerors did not wish to encumber themselves with captives all were slain laden with booty and crimsoned with the blood of their foes the victors dispersed in every direction burning and destroying but encountering no resistance during the month they took fourteen cities slaying all the inhabitants but such as they reserved for slaves the monarch georges was still upon the banks of the site near where it empties into the mologa when he heard the tidings of the destruction of moscow and vladimir and of the massacre of his wife and his children his eyes filled with tears 
and in the anguish of his spirit he prayed that God would enable him to exemplify the patience of Job. Adversity develops the energy of noble spirits. Georges rallied his troops and made a desperate onset upon the foe as they approached his camp. It was the morning of the 4th of March, but again the battle was disastrous to Russia. Mogul numbers triumphed over Russian valor, and the king and nearly all his army were slain. Some days after the battle, the bishop of Rostov traversed the field, covered with the bodies of the dead. There he discovered the corpse of the monarch, which he recognized by the clothes. The head had been severed from the body. The bishop removed the gory trunk of the prince and gave it a respectful burial in the church of Notre Dame at Rostov. The head was subsequently found and deposited in the coffin with the body. The conquerors, continuing their march westerly one hundred and fifty miles, burning and destroying as they went, reached the populous city of Torjek. The despairing inhabitants for fifteen days beat off the assailants. The city then fell. Its ruin was entire. The dwellings became but the funeral pyres for the bodies of the slain. The army of Bati then continued its march to Lake Seligir, the source of the Volga, within one hundred miles of the great city of Novgorod. Villages disappeared, writes the ancient analysts, and the heads of the Russians fell under the swords of the Tartars as the grass falls before the scythe. Instead of pressing on to Novgorod, for some unknown reason, Bati turned south, and, marching two hundred miles, laid siege to the strong fortress of Kozelsk in the principality of Kaluga. The garrison, warned of the advance of the foe, made the most heroic resistance. For four weeks they held their assailants at bay, banking every effort of the vast numbers who encompassed them. A more determined and heroic defense was never made, at last the fortress fell and not one soul escaped the exterminating sword but t now satiated with carnage retired with his army to the banks of the don yaroslav prince of cave and brother of georges the second hoping that the dreadful storm had passed away hastened to the smouldering ruins of vladimir to take the title and the shadowy authority of the grand prince never before were more conspicuously seen the energies of a noble soul at first it seemed that his reign could be extended only over gory corpses and smouldering ruins undismayed by the magnitude of the disaster he consecrated all the activity of his genius and the loftiness of his spirit to the regeneration of the desolate land in the spacious valleys of the don and its tributaries lived the powerful nation of the polovtsi who had often bid defiance to the whole strength of russia Kothian, their prince for a short time made vigorous opposition to the march of the conquerors but overwhelmed by numbers he was at length compelled to retreat and with his army of forty thousand men to seek refuge in hungary 
the country of the polovtsi was then abandoned to the tartars having ravaged the central valleys of the don and the volga these demoniac warriors turned their steps again into southern russia the inhabitants frantic with terror fled from their line of march as lambs fly from wolves the blasts of their trumpets and the clatter of their horses hoofs were speedily resounding in the valley of the dnieper soon from the steeples of cave the banners of the terrible army were seen approaching from the east they crossed the dnieper and surrounded the imperial city which for some time anticipating the storm had been making preparations for the most desperate resistance the ancient analysts say that the noise of their innumerable chariots the lowing of camels and of the vast herds of cattle which accompanied their march the neighing of horses and the ferocious cries of the barbarians created such a clamor that no ordinary voice could be heard in the heart of the city the attack was speedily commenced and the walls were assailed with all the then known instruments of war day and night without a moment's intermission the besiegers like incarnate fiends plied their works the tartars as ever were victorious and cave with all its thronging population and all its treasures of wealth architecture and art sank in the abyss of flame and blood it sank to rise no more though it has since been partially rebuilt this ancient capital of the grand princess of russia even now presents but the shadow of its pristine splendor onward still onward was the cry of the barbarians leaving smoking brands and half-burned corpses where the imperial city once stood the insatiable bati pressed on hundreds of miles further west assailing storming destroying the provinces of galicia as far as southern vladimir within a few leagues of the frontiers of poland russia being thus entirely devastated and at the feet of the conquerors bati wheeled his army around towards the south and descended into hungary novgorod was almost the only important city in russia which escaped the ravages of this terrible foe bati continued his career of conquest and in twelve forty five was almost undisputed master of russia of many of the polish provinces of hungary croatia serbia bulgaria on the danube moldavia and wallachia he then returned to the volga and established himself there as permanent monarch over all these subjugated realms no one dared to resist him but he sent a haughty message to the grand prince yaroslav at northern vladimir ordering him to come to his camp on the distant volga yaroslav in the position in which he found himself russia being exhausted depopulated covered with ruins and with graves did not dare disobey accompanied by several of his nobles he took the weary journey and humbly presented himself in the tent of the conqueror but he compelled the humiliated prince to send his young son constantine to tartary to the palace of the grand khan octai who was about to celebrate with his chiefs 
the brilliant conquests his armies had made in china and europe if the statements of the annalists of those days may be credited so sumptuous a fate the world had never seen before the guests assembled in the metropolis of the khan were innumerable yaroslav was compelled to promise allegiance to the tartar chieftain and all the other prussian princes who had survived the general slaughter were also forced to pay homage and tribute to bati after two years the young prince constantine returned from tartary and then yaroslav himself was ordered with all his relatives to go to the capital of this barbaric empire on the banks of the amor where the tartar chiefs were to meet to choose a successor to octai who had recently died with tears the unhappy prince bade adieu to his country and traversing vast deserts and immense regions of hills and valleys he at length reached the metropolis of his cruel masters here he successfully defended himself against some accusations which had been brought against him and after a detention of several months he was permitted to set out on his return he had proceeded but a few hundred miles on the weary journey when he was taken sick and died the twentieth of september twelve forty six the faithful nobles who accompanied him bore his remains to vladimir where they were interred there was no longer a russian kingdom the country had lost its independence and the tartar sway rude vacillating and awfully cruel extended from remote china to the shores of the baltic the roman grecian and russian empires thus crumbling the world was threatened with the universal inundation of barbarism russian princess with more or less power ruled over the serfs who tilled their lands but there was no recognized head of the once powerful kingdom and no russian prince ventured to disobey the commands even of the humblest captains of the tartar hordes while affairs were in this deplorable state a russian prince daniel of galicia engaged secretly but with great vigor in the attempt to secure the cooperation of the rest of europe to emancipate russia from the tartar yoke greece overawed by the barbarians did not dare make any hostile movement against them daniel turned to rome and promised the pope innocent the fourth that russia should return to the roman church and would march under the papal flag if the pope would rouse christian europe against the tartars the pope eagerly embraced these offers pronounced daniel to be king of russia and sent the papal legate to appoint roman bishops over the greek church at the same time he wished to crown daniel with regal splendor i have need exclaimed the prince of an army not a crown a crown is but a childish ornament when the yoke of the barbarian is galling our necks daniel at length consented for the sake of its moral influence to be crowned king and the pope issued his letters calling upon the faithful to unite under the banners of the cross to drive the barbarians from europe this union however accomplished but little 
as the pope was only anxious to bring the greek church under the sway of rome and daniel sought only military aid to expel the tartars each endeavoring to surrender as little and to gain as much as possible one of the christian nobles endeavored to persuade mangu a tartar chieftain of the superiority of the christian religion the pagan replied we are not ignorant that there is a god and we love him with all our heart there are more ways of salvation than there are fingers on your hands if god has given you the bible he has given us our wise men magi but you do not obey the precepts of your bible while we are perfectly obedient to the instructions of our magi and never think of disputing their authority the pride of these tartar conquerors may be inferred from the following letter sent by the great khan to louis king of france in the name of god the all-powerful i command you king louis to be obedient to me when the will of heaven shall be accomplished when the universe shall have recognized me as its sovereign tranquillity will then be seen restored to earth but if you dare to despise the decrees of god to say that your country is remote your mountains inaccessible and your seas deep and wide and that you fear not my displeasure then the almighty will speedily show you how terrible is my power after the death of yaroslav his uncle alexander assumed the sovereignty of the grand principality he was a prince of much military renown Betty, who was still encamped upon the banks of the Volga, sent to him a message as follows. Prince of Novgorod, it is well known by you that God has subjected to our sway innumerable peoples. If you wish to live in tranquillity, immediately come to me in my tent, that you may witness the glory and the grandeur of the Mughals. Alexander obeyed with the promptness of a slave bati received the prince with great condescension but commanded him to continue his journey some hundreds of leagues further to the east that he might pay homage to the grand khan in tartary it was a terrible journey beneath a blazing sun over burning plains whitened by the bones of those who had perished by the way those dreary solitudes had for ages been traversed by caravans and instead of cities and villages and the hum of busy life the eye met only the tombs in which the dead mouldered and the silence of the grave oppressed the soul in the year twelve forty nine alexander returned from his humiliating journey to tartary the khan was so well satisfied with his conduct that he appointed him king of all the realms of southern russia the pope now thoroughly alienated from daniel corresponded with alexander entreating him to bring the greek church under the supremacy of rome and thus secure for himself the protection and the blessing of the father of all the faithful alexander returned the peremptory reply we wish to follow the true doctrines of the church as for your doctrines we have no desire either to adopt them or to know them 
alexander administered the government so much in accordance with the will of his haughty masters that the khan gradually increased his dominion bati the tartar chieftain who was encamped with his army on the banks of the volga and the don died in the year twelve fifty seven and his bloody sword the only sceptre of his power passed into the hands of his brother berkey alexander felt compelled to hasten to the tartar camp with expressions of homage to the new captain and with rich presents to conciliate his favor many of the tartars had by this time embraced christianity and there were frequent intermarriages between the russian nobles and the princesses of the tartar race it is a curious fact that even then the tartars were so conscious of the power of the clergy over the popular mind that they employed all the arts of courtesy and bribes to secure their influence to hold the russians in subjection the tartars exacted enormous tributes from the subjugated country an insurrection headed by the son of alexander broke out at novgorod the grand prince terrified in view of the mogul wrath which might be expected to overwhelm him arrested and imprisoned his son who had countenanced the enterprise and punished the nobles implicated in the movement with terrible severity some were hung others had their eyes plucked out and their noses cut off but unappeased by this fearful retribution the tartars were immediately on the march to avenge with their own hands the crime of rebellion their footsteps were marked with such desolation and cruelty that the russians goaded to despair again ventured like the crushed worm an impotent resistance alexander himself was compelled to join the tartars and aid in cutting down his wretched countrymen the tartars haughtily entered novgorod silence and desolation reigned through its streets they went from house to house extorting as they well knew how treasures which beggared families and ruined the city throughout all russia the princes were compelled to break down the walls of their cities and to demolish their fortifications in the year twelve sixty two alexander was alarmed by some indication of displeasure on the part of the grand khan and he decided to take an immediate journey to the mogul capital with rich presents there to attempt to explain away any suspicions which might be entertained his health was feeble and suffered much from the exposure of the journey he was detained in the mongol court in captivity though treated with much consideration for a year he then returned home so crushed in health and spirit that he died on the fourteenth of november twelve sixty three the prince was buried at vladimir and was borne to the grave surrounded by the tears and lamentations of his subjects he seemed to have died the death of the righteous breathing most fervent prayers of penitence and of love in the distressing situation in, in which his country was placed he could do nothing but seek to alleviate its woe and to this object he devoted all the energies of his life the name of alexander nevsky is still pronounced in russia with love and admiration 
His remains, after reposing in the church of Notre Dame at Vladimir until the 18th century, were transported by Peter the Great to the banks of the Neva to give renown to the capital which that illustrious monarch was rearing there. Yaroslav of Tavir succeeded almost immediately his father in the nominal sway of Russia. The new sovereign promised fealty to the Tartars and feared no rival while sustained by their swords. His oppression became intolerable. The tocsin was sounded in the streets of Novgorod and the whole populace rose in insurrection. The movement was successful. The favorites and advisers of Yaroslav were put to death and the prince himself was exiled. There is something quite refreshing in the energetic spirit with which the populace transmitted their sentence of repudiation to the discomfited prince blockaded in his palace. The citizens met in a vast gathering in the church of St. Nicholas and sent to him the following act of accusation. Why have you seized the mansions of one of our nobles? Why have you robbed others of their money? Why have you driven from Novgorod strangers who were living peaceably in the midst of us? Why do your gamekeepers exclude us from the chase and drive us from our own fields? It is time to put an end to such violence. Leave us, go where you please, but leave us, for we shall choose another prince. Yaroslav, terrified and humiliated, sent his son to the public assembly with the assurance that he was ready to conform to all their wishes if they would return to their allegiance it's too late was the reply leave us immediately or we shall be exposed to the inconvenience of driving you away yaroslav immediately left the city and sought safety in exile the Novgorodans then offered the soiled and battered crown to Dmitri, a nephew of the deposed prince. But Dmitri, fearing the vengeance of the Tartars, replied, I am not willing to ascend a throne from which you have expelled my uncle. Yaroslav immediately sent an ambassador to the encampment of the Tartars, where they were ever eagerly waiting for any enterprise which promised carnage and plunder the ambassador imploring their aid said the novgorodans are your enemies they have shamefully expelled yaroslav and thus treated your authority with insolence they have deposed yaroslav merely because he was faithful in collecting tribute for you by such a crisis republicanism was necessarily introduced in novgorod the people destitute of a prince and threatened by an approaching army made vigorous efforts for resistance the two armies soon met face to face and they were on the eve of a terrible battle when the worthy metropolitan bishop cyril interposed and succeeded in effecting a treaty which arrested the flow of torrents of blood the novgorodans again accepted yaroslav he making the most solemn promises of amendment the ambassadors of the tartar khan conducted yaroslav again to the throne 
the tartars now embraced almost simultaneously and universally the mohammedan religion and were inspired with the most fanatic zeal for its extension yaroslav retained his throne only by employing all possible means to conciliate the tartars he died in the year twelve seventy two as he was also on his return journey from a visit to the tartar court vasily a younger brother of yaroslav now ascended the throne establishing himself at vladimir the grand duchy of lithuania extending over a region of sixty thousand square miles was situated just north of poland the tartars dissatisfied with the lithuanians prepared an expedition against them and marching with a great army compelled many of the russian princes to follow their banners the tartars spread desolation over the whole tract of country they traversed and on their return took a careful census of the population of all the principalities of russia that they might decide upon the tribute to be imposed the russians were so broken in spirit that they submitted to all these indignities without a murmur still there were to be seen here and there indications of discontent an ecclesiastical council was held at vladimir in the year twelve seventy four all the bishops of the north of russia were assembled to rectify certain abuses which had crept into the church a copy of the canons then adopted written upon parchment is still preserved in the russian archives what a chastisement exclaimed the bishops have we received for our neglect of the true principles of christianity god has scattered us over the whole surface of the globe our cities have fallen into the hands of the enemy our princes have perished on the field of battle our families have been dragged into slavery our temples have become the prey of destruction and every day we groan more and more heavily beneath the yoke which is imposed upon us it was decreed in this council of truly christian men that as a public expression of the importance of a holy life none should be introduced into the ranks of the clergy but those whose morals had been irreproachable from their earliest infancy a single pastor said the decree of this council faithfully devoted to his master's service is more precious than a thousand worldly priests vasily died in the year twelve seventy six and was succeeded by a prince of vladimir named dmitri he immediately left his native principality and took up his residence in novgorod which city at this time seemed to have been regarded as the capital of the subjugated and dishonored kingdom the indomitable tribes inhabiting the fastness of the caucasian mountains had thus far maintained their independence the tartars called upon russia for troops to aid in their subjugation and four of the princes one of whom andre of gorodets was a brother of dmitri the king submissively led the required army into the mogul encampment 
andre by his flattery his presence and his servile devotion to the interests of the khan secured a decree of dethronement against his brother and his own appointment as grand prince then with the combined army of tartars and russians he marched upon novgorod to take possession of the crown resistance was not to be thought of and dmitri precipitately fled karamisin thus describes the sweep of this tartar wave of woe the moguls pillaged and burned the houses the monasteries the churches from which they took the images the precious vases and the books richly bound large troops of the inhabitants were dragged into slavery or fell beneath the sabres of the ferocious soldiers of the khan the young sisters in the convents were exposed to the brutality of these monsters the unhappy laborers who to escape death or captivity had fled into the deserts perishing of exposure and starvation not an inhabitant was left who did not weep over the death of a father a son a brother or a friend thus andre ascended the throne and then returned the soldiers of the khan laden with the booty which they had so cruelly and iniquitously obtained the barbarians always greedy of rapine and blood were ever delighted to find occasion to ravage the principalities of russia the tartars having withdrawn dmitri secured the cooperation of some powerful princess drove his brother from novgorod and again grasped the sceptre which his brother had wrested from him the two brothers continued bitterly hostile to each other and years passed of petty intrigues and with occasional scenes of violence and blood as dmitri struggled to hold the crown which andre as perseveringly strove to seize again andre obtained another mogul army which swept russia with fearful destruction and taking possession of vladimir and moscow and every city and village on their way plundering burning and destroying marched resistlessly to novgorod and placed again the traitorous blood-stained monster on the throne dmitri abandoning his palaces and his treasures fled to a remote principality where he soon died in the year twelve ninety four an old man battered and wrecked by the storms of a life of woe he is celebrated in the russian annals only by the disasters which accompanied his reign according to the russian historians the infamous andre his elder brother being now dead found himself legitimately the sovereign of russia as no one dared to dispute his authority the ill-fated kingdom passed a few years in tranquillity at length daniel prince of moscow claimed independence of the nominal king or grand prince as he was called in fact most of the principalities were at this time entirely independent of the grand prince of novgorod whose supremacy was in general but an empty and powerless title 
as danielle was one of the nearest neighbors of andre and reigned over a desolate and impoverished realm the grand prince was disposed to bring him into subjection but neither of the princes dared to march their armies without first appealing to their mogul masters danielle sent an ambassador to the mogul camp but andre went in person with his young and beautiful wife the khan sent his ambassador to vladimir there to summon before him the two princes and their friends and to adjudge their cause in the heat and bitterness of the debate the two princes drew their swords and fell upon each other their followers joined in the melee and a scene of tumult and blood ensued characteristic of those barbaric times the tartar guards rushed in and separated the combatants the tartar judge extorted rich presents from both of the appellants and settled the question by leaving it entirely unsettled ordering them to both go home they separated like two boys who have been found quarrelling and who have been both soundly whipped for their pugnacity in the autumn of the year thirteen o three an assembly of the russian princes was convened at Pereslavle, to which congress the imperious khan sent his commands it is my will said the tartar chief that the principalities of russia should henceforth enjoy tranquillity i therefore command all the princes to put an end to their dissensions and each one to contend himself with the possessions and the power he now has russia thus ceased to be even nominally a monarchy unless we regard the khan of tartary as its sovereign it was a conglomeration of principalities ruled by princes with irresponsible power but all paying tribute to a foreign despot and obliged to obey his will whenever he saw fit to make that will known still there continued incessant tempests of civil war violent but of brief duration to which the khan paid no attention he deeming it beneath his dignity to intermeddle with such petty conflicts andre died on twenty seventh july thirteen o four execrated by his contemporaries and he had been consigned to infamy by posterity as he approached the spirit land he was tortured with the dread of the scenes which he might encounter there his crimes had condemned thousands to death and other thousands to live long woe he sought by priestcraft and penance and monastic vows and garments of sackcloth to efface the stains of a soul crimsoned with crime he died and his guilty spirit passed away to meet god in judgment End of chapter seven